Hey there. Welcome back to The Truth is Somewhere, a conspiracy theory podcast. Uh huh. Megan, today, what will we be discussing? Today, we will be discussing Ong's hat. Oh, Ong's hat. Okay. Ong's hat. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, some people might know. This is this is an old one. Mm-hmm. Um, but in southern New Jersey, you can find more than a million acres of thick forest called the Pine Barrens. Uh, so despite it being home to many plants and wildlife, the soil is acidic and sandy, and it was unable to be cultivated by early settlers. Okay. So it's called the Barrens. Um, it is more or less empty of humans, but starting in the late 1700s, a town called Ong's Hat started appearing on maps. It's O-N-G. Um, and it was located in the northwest corner of the Barrens. Okay. And Ong is the last name of a family that did live in the area and was fairly common in early colonial times, but it's unlikely that Ong's Hat was really much of a town beyond housing that family. Okay. Uh, so was it even a town... Well, there's a lot of debate about whether it was a town or not. It was a hamlet. It was a place. It was a, it was a place, and some people named Ong live there. That There were, like, uh, I don't want to get too far into it, because this isn't actually the basis of our conspiracy, but there are all sorts of, like, weird conspiracies as to how it became known as <laughs> Ong's Hat. Sorry, I'm laughing, because I just read one of your typos, and it says, Spirituality. <laughs> I do this quickly I, I don't go through and, and edit the, the typos. I don't expect you to, to but uh, since we changed our format, I get I, occasionally I pick up some things yeah. and I just read spirituality. Sorry, I bumped. What I was Oof. trying to explain was the, the ways in which Ong's hat possibly got the name. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways was that this guy whose last name was Ong was like a total player. And okay. he had a silk hat, and he would, like, flirt with the ladies. Oh. And it became known as uh, Ong's hat, because he was such a player. Oh, okay. And his hat was, it played such a big part in him being what? a player. That has nothing to do with the conspiracy, and so I didn't actually put it in the notes. But there you have a little bit of history there that is either real or not. Wait, so you said that this town pretty much just held a family? So what, is Ong <laughs> trying to hit on his sister or something? Well, so that's the problem is like no one knows if this it's likely that this town just really held the family no mm. one knows if it's an actual town like it just started showing up on maps oh. in the 1700s and it stayed on maps until sometime in the 2000s but like if you go to ong's hat there's no one there yeah there and there's like ruins of some buildings but not like a town's worth of buildings it, wow. it's all very confusing okay um is, does anything show up on the old uh, Google Maps? I don't know. I didn't look. MapQuest? I did not look. Whatever else there is? I didn't look. Okay. Did just, not look. I know. I just wanted to list some things. I'm sorry. Um. So, but like hikers and people are still braving the barrens and they're looking for Ong's hat. Yeah. But this town itself is not what's interesting. It's what they are looking for. Oh, in Ong's in hat? In Ong's hat. Okay. So in 1978, a, a jazz... Okay. I'm going to go backwards for a minute, and I'm going to tell you this is very convoluted. Okay. And we're going to go deep into a wormhole, and I'm hoping that I put this together in a way that is both compelling and understandable, and I may have failed. (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> so, you have that little faith in yourself will, right now? I will throw that out there right now. This was this was a really difficult one to put together. Okay, so I will uh, keep my questions to uh, reasonable. Okay. So now it's 1978. Okay, that's not that long ago, all things considered. No, it's not. A jazz musician named Wally Fard purchased 200 acres of land in the Pine Barrens, mm-hmm. very near Ong's Hat. Fard set up a commune called the Moorish Science Ashram, designating it, as, designating it as a place for those interested in studying spirituality, spirituality, radical politics, uh-huh. tantra, and psychopharmacology. Okay. So, I mean, pretty typical of communes of that time. Psychopharmacology, that's like growing mushrooms? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Psychedelics? Yeah. Okay. Um, Get high. Very, very very common. Like, when you talk about communes from the 70s, this is what they're talking about. They wanted to go out and hang out with their buddies and get stoned. Yeah. And the law didn't want them to do that. It's true. So... The ashram ends up attracting a couple of twin Princeton uh, scientists... Wait, they were... They were twins, and... And they both went they to Princeton. They both went to Princeton. Okay. And they were scientists. Okay, did they have, like, doctorates? They were working on their PhD. Okay, And they got okay. ostracized from the academic community because of their joint PhD thesis. Oh. Uh, yep. Um, ostracized. Ostracized. So they show up at the ashram. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon, they, along with the people from the ashram develop the Institute for Chaos Studies, or ICS. Um, so basically what we're talking about is people researching chaos theory from a spiritual basis. Okay. So it's like um, Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park meets, like, Gandhi. Sure, sure, okay. <laughs> You're meshing those two together. Um, by the late 80s, they developed a device called the Egg, which they intended to use to research something called, quote, cognitive chaos. And the egg was very similar to a sensory deprivation chamber, and they hoped um, that they would be able to find the point where a wave becomes a particle using it. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. In With our mind? Yes, with their minds. Ah. Uh... Which, I mean, in the 70s and 80s, because of a lot of the stuff we've covered, is a very common thought process of being able to control things so much with your mind that you can see yeah. things that physics would not normally allow us to see. That was very common during this time. So it's not like it's so far out there that they were studying this. Yeah, the problem is, is like, would words be able to describe it if you could see it? I don't know. A wave becoming a particle. Mm-hmm. Wave-particle duality. They were eating mushrooms. That's all I can say. We're not beings made out of particles, man. We're made out of waves. We're we're wave people. Wave people. We're wave people, dude. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Wave. Uh, I I think that's actually like a a real spiritual kind of theory. Is it really? Oh yeah, because oh. well, I mean, wave particle duality is normally saved for when you're dealing with like uh photons and things like that but it 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 can be um it can be kind of studied in other uh in other in other ways i guess uh but like very very commonly and almost exclusively um we're talking we're talking light okay and we're talking about the electromagnetic spectrum and we're talking about if light light depending on how it's observed acts like a particle 
or a wave. Mm-hmm. And we have very, very uh, strict discern... Uh, um, trying to think of the word uh very anyways we have um precise rulings for what a particle is and what a wave is and it's really easily understandable Mm -hmm. and then when we say oh well if it's a wave and we put it through this situation it'll act like a wave right Mm -hmm. no it acts like a particle oh well then if we make it uh a particle it'll act like that right if we observe it nope it acts like a wave so Okay, so it's not too far out there that they were studying this. Right, and there's some connection between uh, matter and energy and whether they are they can be the same thing or not. And I'm sure the 70s was all about us, that energy, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to get a little more out there now. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Please. One day, as One day. a young man was inside the egg, it just disappeared. Man it- and all. The whole egg disappeared. Oh. Yep. But it came back seven minutes later. Mm-hmm. And the young man said that he had dived down into the quantum level and followed a wave into an alternate dimension that was a different version of Earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was that was he a different version? No, it Did was him. Did they swap place? No, it was place? him. Oh, okay. He came back. Oh. And told them this. It would have been way cooler if he told everyone that he swapped places with his alternate. That's true. Well, so. actually, that that would be really cool, except the other Earth isn't populated. Oh. I hadn't gotten to that Oh, yet, okay, But the okay. other Earth is not populated. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, a nearby military base had a nuclear accident that threatened the entire ashram with radiation poisoning. Oh. And authorities started to zero in on the ICS and their strange experiments. So ICS moved their entire operation to the other Earth, because there was nobody there to interrupt their studies. Because there was no people there. I wish I wish they could see the look on my face right now. <laughs> and how I just went, oh. Yeah. That's how that ended. Okay. So they left behind only a secret lab to which they return in the egg only occasionally. Oh. Yep. So that's why people are, like, hikers are always going out there and, like, looking for the egg. this secret lab. Like, this, oh. like, portal, this door to another dimension, right? Okay. Um. So now we've moved from the world of fact to seemingly one of fiction, right? Like, sure, yeah. okay, there's a hippie commune and some wily scientists who have gone a little off the rails. That's all, like, verifiable and that all makes sense. But then we get into alternate dimensions and, like, shrinking a la Ant-Man. Yeah. And finding other Earths all of the Flash. Like, we're just in the comic book world now. Uh, yeah, that is absolutely comic book world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But here's what we do know. We know that ICS existed. Mm-hmm. Based on a brochure that can be found in a rare book catalog called Incunabula. Okay. Or Incunabula, maybe. Incunabula? 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 I don't know. Oh. Incunabula, that's how I'm going to say it. Uh, which first started circulating in 1990. Incunabula. Uh, in, it's this brochure that tells us about the egg and the gateway to an alternate dimension. Uh-huh. So the brochure tells us that. Oh, so and, they've already figured it out at this point in the brochure. Yes. Okay. And there are other versions of the tale that are told by people who supposedly grew up at the ashram. Mm-hmm. And they included accounts of a violent raid on the compound, claiming that the government had ordered the destruction of the gate and the technology developed by ICS. And strange enough, Jersey locals can describe military exercises run out of nearby Fort Dix that suspiciously line up with that timeline oh. of these people saying okay. that they were violently raided. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty weird. Additionally, yeah. there was actually there actually was a weapons grade plutonium spill in New Jersey that had been covered up for years. <laughs> like the base just hit it. 
Mm. Like the ba- so the base, bad. the military bad. told the federal government, oh, we've got it under control. Mm-hmm. And they were like consistently measuring the radiation and it was not under control and it was really, really bad. And then like 30 years later, the base was like, we fucked up. Whoops. <laughs> so that's all verifiable. Okay. All verifiable. Um, the Incunabula was a collection of works throughout history that seemed to tell the story of a vast scientific history involving parallel universes. And it was collected and published by a person named Emery Cranston. Mm-hmm. And while some of the collection are seemingly untraceable stories, much of the collection are verifiable works by famous scientists. Um, and that includes several works by prominent physicist Nick Herbert. And Herbert was actually a member of a group of physicists at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory who were tasked with pushing the boundaries of science through quantum experimentation in the late 1970s. Okay. So, like, knows his shit. Okay, sure. Knows his shit. So he was part of this magazine? He was part of the Incunabula. Oh, which... He had... Some of his work was in the Incunabula. Yeah. Which also had the brochure. Okay. Regarding the ICS. Okay, okay. Because this work is just, like, a bunch of collected work on scientific research into alternative dimensions. That's really interesting that that's included, then, because if the two, um, if the twins never actually got their doctorates and got kicked out, why would anybody listen to them? Because you can still publish stuff. You can self-publish stuff. Yeah, but I, I, I guess I don't have my foot in the door, so I don't really understand, like, the level in which... Um, you like what you have to do to be recognized, but Nobody I would said imagine this is all peer reviewed. I didn't say it was peer reviewed. Oh, I assume it's just that papers the... written by people who were already famous scientists. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't say it was peer reviewed. Okay, I That's guess I just kind of yeah. assumed. Okay. Um. So, Nick Herbert and mm-hmm. the um. Did I not? Oh, there, there was this really great name of the physicists that were doing this work in the 70s, and I didn't write it down, and now I can't remember what it was, but it involved Fs instead of PHs, because it was, it was silly. Anyway, oh, okay. Um, uh, they spent time researching everything from telepathy and communication with the dead, but essentially it created quantum information science in the process. Quantum like, information science. Yeah. Okay. Like, they were, they were just, like, hippie goofing off, like, sci- like really brilliant minds who were, like... Maybe we can move things with our minds. Maybe we can communicate with the dead. And they created quantum information science while studying. I wonder this what that entails. Stuff. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't this know. is oh. all I can tell you based off of my research. But okay. I'm not science minded. This is what I can tell you. Okay. But Herbert went on to write on his personal website about a um, concept he called quantum tantra, and okay. his discovery of what he called a quote door. And he's connecting spirituality to physics in the same ways that ICS was connecting it to chaos theory. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot spell spirituality. Now we know. I always miss the second I and it's always spirituality. Spirituality. <laughs> there you have it. Lots of people have trouble spe- spelling. Hi, so. I can't I can't spell, but Jesus. I just think spirituality is funny. Um The Incunabula contains unpublished work by Herbert on alternate dimensions that contains a lot of similar language to what Herbert is now writing freely on his website. Mm. So, take that for what you will. Okay. So now we fast forward to 1999, when a man named Joseph Matheny publishes a book called Ong's Hat, The Beginning. It it contained the descriptions of items from the Incunabula, 
and told the story of Ong's hat. Okay. Uh, the story of ICS and Ong's hat went from Xerox copies of pamphlets left in coffee shops and attached to magazines to an internet sensation that leads hikers to the Barrens in New Jersey. Sure. So you got all that. That all makes sense. As best as we saying everything you said before. Yes, as as much as like I can explain it that you understand what I have I have told you. Yeah, yeah, you got uh some commune, mm-hmm. right? Well, you got an old house, uh, maybe a small town, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh back in the 1700s, right? And then 1970, you got uh some crazy uh commune with some uh some doctorate dropouts <laughs> mm-hmm. making uh making eggs and and uh, de- uh yeah and traveling to other universes okay yeah so now we're gonna we're gonna go down the wormhole now <laughs> uh, they already went through it and i i really hope i lay this out in a way that is easy to follow um considering what all everything i've just told uh-huh. you so uh-huh. <laughs> let's just jump in let's do it um the original brochure bearing Ong, the Ong's hat story was first published in a magazine called Edge Detector in 1988. Okay. The story was written by an anarchist writer named Peter Lamborn Wilson, a.k.a. Hakim Bey, and details of Ong's hat were partially Wilson's life, partially fiction. Oh, but where's the line? Um, the backstory of Wally Fard, who founded the Moorish Science Ashram, was actually a mixture of Wilson's own biography and that of Wallace D. Fard, who founded the Nation of Islam. Okay. Emery Cranston, who compiled the Incunabula, is entirely fictional and took his first name from Wilson's father and his last name from a journalist that Wilson had worked with. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then... This web gets a little more tangled because both Wilson and Joseph Matheny were friends with Nick Herbert. So Joseph Matheny is the one who wrote the book about Ong's hat. Okay. Nick Herbert is the physicist. Right. (sighs) Herbert helped Wilson develop the scientific bits of the story, and in 1989, they got help from their other friends to start leaving out Xeroxed copies of the brochure of Edge Detector pretty much everywhere a curious person might find it. Okay. And then they started partnering with magazines made for UFO or paranormal enthusiasts and sending the brochure out in those magazines. And then they actually made the Incunabula with the help of a collage artist named James Keonline. And then Matheny says that he and Herbert started really going crazy with the project. So it sounds like they wanted to get people to go out there. Right? We'll get there. But that's what it sounds like. It does sound like that. It sounds like they're trying to get people to get interested in this area. Yeah. It does sound like that. Okay. You're obviously, you have more to tell me. So just tell me because you're giving me the look of, I don't want to tell you anything. No, I don't want to tell you anything because it'll spoil the whole rest of this if I tell you right now. I'll sit back and listen. Okay. So then dawns the internet, which Uh Matheny recognizes is a much better and faster distribution platform than the magazine and Xerox brochures. Sure. So he started posting the Incunabula materials first on forums and then pretty much everywhere he could. Um, he started defining himself as a character in the story, that of an investigative journalist looking into the story based on the brochure. Okay. That his friend wrote. So is he trying to make a, um, uh, there's a word for it, but like a, a game, like an in reality kind game? Of. Yes, kind of. That's actually pretty much yes. Yes. That's what he was doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is what it started out as. Okay. Um, 
<sighs> and it got real deep. It got real deep. He went he went maybe a little too far. Okay. Um, he began posting interviews with Ong's hat survivors, those who claimed to have grown up at the ashram. Mm-hmm. He even set up email addresses for fictional characters like Emery Cranston. Oh. And then he would answer emails sent to those characters. Okay. Uh, he wor- worked with Herbert to produce interviews with the scientists that would tease out new mysteries to add to the Ong's hat story. Okay. And in 1995, Matheny set up org to be the dwelling of his entire body of research. Okay. And followers of the Ong's Hat conspiracy started calling themselves eggheads because of the egg. Sure, Makes sure. Sense. And Herbert's willingness to use his own name and professional authority as a scientist gave credence to the whole thing. Sure. Um, and whenever anyone reached out to him, he was, like, more than happy to play the role of a crazy scientist. Which, like, is not too far off. He's, like... I read some interviews with him in Scientific American, and he's a very interesting man. Brilliant, but, like, a little little off. Um, it's all, that's actually really common uh, with the super science-y type. They yeah. tend to... They're wired a little bit differently, differently. And that's probably why they operate at a higher level on uh, non-human related issues yeah non-social issues yeah uh matheny never intended for people to truly believe any of it uh he made sure that he mentioned ong's hat being a hoax or a game in several interviews and scans of brochures that featured an image of the supposed ong's hat survivors actually showed images of the brady bunch (laughs) (laughs) but matheny says that it was just a game and a large joke that challenged people to explore the line between the real world and the game because they based a lot of stuff off of the real world. Like, you can find Ong's hat on a map. Okay. Or, um, like, Herbert was a real scientist. Sure. And, like, he was actually researching these things, which is why there is some, like, scientific credibility to these claims. So you have this very fine line between, well, this all sounds like it could be real and this sounds ridiculous, but because you have so much credibility of the real stuff, sure. was this stuff actually ridiculous or is it real well i think that's part of what makes it so intriguing yeah but oh go ahead sorry that's what makes it um that's what makes people want to do it is that Mm -hmm. there's this uh maybe deep down inside they know it's they know it's fake but they think that there's a chance yeah and they could be the ones that figure it out and that kind of that that's what makes it so great i remember um uh, video game long time ago, Halo 2, um, did something like that, where there was a website called, I think it was like, I love bees or something like that. And the whole idea is that the website was actually a house for an artificial intelligence. And if you went to the right places and you asked the right questions, it would give you coordinates to pay phones that would get calls at certain times. And you could actually go to those pay phones and wait for the call and pick it up and get information to continue playing. Oh, that's cool. And then and then uh, people would take that information and they would put it on the forums. And then people would dig out more information and go into the website a little bit deeper and find that there's other websites that they can go to. And all, all the while, you've got this whole community coming together because it's not like oh there's a uh, there's one payphone in tennessee they get called at right but then there's another one in hong kong that Uh someone's getting called at right so it's all turns into this whole worldwide thing that's why um that's why there was this huge explosion with games like ingress and then later pokemon go Uh and why a lot of those games still have this huge thing to them because 
Um, I don't know if Pokemon Go does it, but I, I'm pretty sure Ingress, the predecessor to Pokemon mm-hmm. Go, actually did stuff like that as well to kind of build on the lore of what the game is. But That's super cool. Yeah, and it gets, it gets people out, gets people traveling, and what makes the game the most fun is that you suddenly have this worldwide community mm-hmm. that's all working together trying to crack these codes that these people intentionally make really, really difficult. Yeah. Super so cool. so this kind of seems like I keep touching the mic and I'm sorry people. Uh this seems like that's what they were going for. Yeah. And the closer you can get to reality, the better. Yeah. Well, and just because he didn't intend for people to believe it, like we all know, we're here for a conspiracy theory podcast. People really like to believe. Yeah. They want to believe. Well, right? I mean, uh ask Tom Cruise. What yeah. does he believe? <laughs> Isn't he a Scientologist? Yeah, and that was in a book. Yeah, that's true. I'll that Ron started Hubbard in a book. Hoodwinked half the world. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um. So, but people want to believe, so they did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at first, Matheny encouraged them. He started relationships with more serious conspiracy theorists and started trying to overlap the Ong's Hat story with other conspiracies like the Philadelphia Experiment. Hmm. And he wanted to involve the eggheads and make them feel as though they were making breakthroughs in the ongoing investigation. Oh. So then, it's 1999, and Matheny publishes Ong's Hat, The Beginning, which is a collection of all the lore he had produced, including Wilson's original story. And he said by 2000, half the people following the story had no understanding that it was a game, and people were becoming obsessed. Wow. So he made a series of in-character appearances on a late-night paranormal program that brought in millions of listeners. Okay. And because of that exposure, he started dealing with more and more intrusions into his personal life by obsessed theorists and followers. Of course. Like, people were showing yeah. up at his house. Wow. To ask for information. So in 2001, Matheny posted on his website the truth regarding Ong's hat and that he and Nick were going to put the whole project to bed. Yeah, like they it's were ruining done. his life at that point. Um, some people were really angry about being tricked, and some didn't believe Matheny and formed a new conspiracy uh-huh, theory regarding uh-huh. hush money and government cover-ups. Of course. But most took the lighthearted joke gone too far for what it was, a fun and clever game, and the internet's first raging conspiracy theory. Oh. This was it. Yeah. Uh, which, like, this is so cute and funny for, like, the internet's first conspiracy theory, and now we have shit like Pizzagate. Yeah. Like, let's go back to, like, oh, there's another dimension somewhere in a forest in New Jersey. That's Uh, so much better. So much better. So much better than Pizzagate and, like, oh, all of these kids' parents who got shot up at a school are just actors. Like, no. Like, fuck that shit. Let's just go back to, like, monsters and forests. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know if I would, uh, maybe Pizzagate. But some of them, I don't know if I'd call them necessarily internet conspiracies. I think we just have a new, um... A new medium for our conspiracies. Yeah. Uh, but Ong's hat now lives as a local urban legend in New Jersey. I mean... It makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Real cool. I had never heard of it before. I'm sure lots of people in New Jersey have. Um, no, I'd never heard of it either. Um, so, my question for you. The commune... Mm-hmm. Was real? No. Okay, so the commune. So what you told me in the beginning, everything all you told me. All of that was a lie. All of it was a lie. Okay. That's so why I, was I trying... layered it like this because I was like, I want to like present it like it's actual conspiracy theory, and then be like, boom, the conspiracy is that it's a conspiracy. Okay. Okay. So that's. I was kind of wondering because you had said at one point, you know, he was melding stuff together. 
So I was trying to figure out, okay, what was melded and what was it? All of it was just fake. No commune. Okay, so, but if Ong's hat's been on a map, what's the deal with Ong's hat? Why? It, the commune was close to Ong's hat. So, but, okay, so Ong's hat is real. Ong's hat is real. The commune no is not. The commune's not. Okay. Okay. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, a commune started and then it dissolved and maybe... The commune was actually on uh, government property, Mm -hmm. and that's why the government came in and finally moved them out. Like, stuff like that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I see. Almost everything I told you before was a lie. Almost everything, except for Ong's hat and the guy with the really nice hat that would hit on his sister. Yes, yes. Oh, that's, that's a myth, though. That's like an urban legend. Yeah. You keep saying that. But I bet it's true. It might be. But that's all. That's what I have for you. I have a, an elaborate game lie that turned into a conspiracy theory. That's that's actually pretty cool. Uh, that's real cool, actually. Yeah. I like that. Uh, that it was a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it sucks for the guy that went out of hand. Uh, but I mean, that's. I guess that's what happens when yeah. you gamble with that kind of stuff. It. Stuff just gets out of hand sometimes. Well, and the problem was that because it was the early ages of the internet, like, none of us would ever do this now, but he used his real name as his character. Oh, yeah. So instead of, like, like none of us would do that That's now. That's not entirely true. That's not entirely true, because, like, YouTubers do stuff like that all the time. They're out there with their real names. That's true. You're right. They're out there with their real names, and they're, um... I think, though, that when they do stuff like that, it's a little bit more like, hey, you know this is a game. Because yeah. I know YouTubers have done lots of little things like that. Uh, channel, uh, um, well, two channels technically, Film Theory and Game Theory, have have some, like, uh, secret coded game going on. Oh, I didn't um, know that. And everyone knows that guy's name. Yeah. Uh, and then um, Channel, uh, run by... Markiplier is his is anyways he does he has some conspiracy game going on that's not his real name but I mean I'm sure you can find it really easily yeah you, you sure know, once they hit a certain status hiding your name really isn't something you can do yeah yeah but he just he didn't make it any easier for himself because no he, put everything he absolutely out under did his real name. well he absolutely didn't make it easier for himself especially especially because he used his real credentials mm-hmm. to back the game. Well, he didn't use his credentials. Nick Herbert used his credentials to help back the game. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that's what we were talking about. No. I thought I was talking about Joseph Matheny is the one oh. who had people show up to his house. Oh. The one who wrote that book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Sure. I mean, but either way, though, mm-hmm. that's, uh, what do you get? Yeah. <laughs> that's what you get. It's risky. <laughs> so that's what I've got. Okay. Are you sure that's what you got, or is that another conspiracy? No, no that's the end of it. <laughs> That'd be great if I just, like, dropped another one in your lap. Right? No, like, well, but th- boom, but now actu- I lied again! <laughs> but actually... Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, no, this is actually all I have for you. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TTIS Podcast. If you like what we're doing, you can hop on over to iTunes and leave a review. Helps other people find us. If you really like what we're doing, you can hop over to Patreon. Uh, get cool bonus content. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at the truth is somewhere podcast at gmail.com. If you want to hang out with us on Facebook, there's a Facebook group. You just search TTIS podcast group and you can come hang out in there with other listeners and us. You want merch, it's the truth is somewhere.threadless.com and show notes are at the truth is somewhere.com. And that is literally absolutely everything I have for you. The truth is somewhere guys keep looking at.
Yeah, she's telling us the truth of somewhere now, but then she's going to tell us that that's a conspiracy.